0: What is that David Archuleta song? I need to look that up. (laughs) You, like,
1: play it. I don't know. I'm the only thing. Whenever I think of David Archuleta, I just think of that one iCarly episode where he was on there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's from Utah. And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) And I felt like that was my claim to fame, even though it had nothing to do with me.
0: Oh, yeah. Utah State Anthem. <laughs> we found it. Oh, my gosh. I got an email. I get, like, emails about, like, concerts coming around, and there was one that was about him, but it was in he the he's Logan. still singing. Yeah, except where he was playing, it was in the Logan High School Auditorium. Oh.
1: <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I like just remember, remember Corn Bellies, how they do like a big, uh, oh like, yeah, corn, maze, or the corn maze. And it was his face. <laughs> oh yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, that. I'm in his eye. Anyway, uh, this is going to be our thing for the podcast <laughs> this season. We're, it's, it's we have to start David. with David Archuleta. It's David Archuleta all the time.
0: All right. Well, now that we're two minutes into this recording. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our second episode of From the Hill, a 13-episode podcast following the Utah legislative session over the next six weeks. We're your hosts. I'm
1: Marina McTee,
0: the managing editor of The Forum.
1: And I'm Cami Mondo, editor-in-chief. And since our last episode, a lot has happened, which isn't surprising when you take into account that hundreds of bills have been lined up for this 45-day session. In this
0: episode, we're going to be focusing on the vaping epidemic. A public health crisis that captivated national attention in 2019. Several legislators have proposed bills that attempted to solve this issue. But first, let's take a look at some of the highlights from this week so far, and of course, the honorable mentions.
1: Yes, well, this week started off with a bit of a bump in the road, you gotta say. Um, the meetings and agendas were canceled and delayed Monday morning because of mm. the winter storm we had, Oof. which was crazy. I, for one, like, could not leave my house. <laughs> Me and too. so I did some work from home and, like, classes were canceled. So that
0: worked out. Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah. My street doesn't get plowed. So oh, there was, wonderful.
1: like, <laughs> two feet of
0: snow outside of my house and I could just I couldn't leave. Yeah. We had to... Plow. We had to like shovel our driveway like three times, Ugh. like it was throughout the I day. I know it I was had to, like
1: debury my car, <laughs> and it was a wonderful experience. But a lot still happened this week. Um, no bills were passed by the governor yet, but just the one that we talked about last week, which is the tax reform bill. But some have been making their way through the committee hearings onto the House and Senate floors.
0: One bill in particular is a bill that would allow y- the Utah Division of Motor Vehicles or the DMV to refuse to issue a license plate that mocks someone's race, color, age, gender, religion, etc. Basically a characteristic about the person that they can't change. This move is from Senator Luz Escamilla and it comes from and it comes after the controversy of a license plate that's been spotted throughout Utah saying deport m.
1: Yes, I think that's supposed <coughs> to be
0: Deportum. Yeah, Deportum. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> God, so much effort.
1: That license plate was recalled, and a couple other ones were too, like one that said 420 and one that said like four play. another one said 3 Merlot, but none of them really hit home like Deportum did. Um, somehow that one got through the motor division leadership in 2015, has been driving around for close to five years, even though there's been... Three separate complaints that have been made since then. Man. Yeah, that's... Like, why do you need that on your license plate? Do you look at your license plate that often? I honestly... (laughs) Sometimes I need to know what my license plate number is. And I'm not near my car, so I text my sister. Because for some reason, she remembers what it is. (laughs) I couldn't tell you what mine is right now. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. But, like, also, that is required for
0: many legal forms. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and it's like, how did that get through the leadership? I'm sure a couple different people have to sign off on it, and it's blatantly says deport them. So I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Next, (laughs) Um, another Utah lawmaker is pushing for a bill that could require label warnings on pornography for minors who may be watching it. Basically things that say the program could impair their brain development, their emotional development, how it could affect intimate relationships and make it difficult to maintain those.
0: Yeah, it also warns against how that kind of material could lead to harmful and addictive behavior and low self-esteem. It could also cause objectification and sexual violence and more.
1: Um, The move comes from Brady Brammer, a Republican from Highland. Um, It follows up a resolution that was made in Utah in 2016 that declared pornography a public health crisis in the state.
0: Okay. So, I've got opinions about this. (laughs) Excellent. I think that the fact, well, just going back to the beginning of all of this, that they declared pornography a public health crisis blows my mind. (laughs) And it pisses me off so much because it's so dumb (laughs) it is so stupid there is literally a massive opioid crisis and so many other things happening right now that they could be focusing their energy on
1: that is a good point i didn't even think of that but that is such an excellent point and like i remember in high school i had
0: that there was a organization that came around that was like anti-porn and we had an assembly about it and it (laughs) I just I think it is evidence of just like religious bias leaking into and political bias leaking into these things like well no
1: I shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> we'll you back know,
1: up. Scratch that. Thank but you. No, I think that's a good point about what you said about like the opioid crisis happening and stuff. I mean, I feel like it's a fine bill, but I also think that other things should probably be a bigger priority at this point. um I mean, with the warning labels, I feel like those are warnings that are already known
0: and yeah. that minors
1: know about. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, putting that on. You know, putting that on the pornography before they watch isn't really going to do anything.
0: Yeah. Like, like, if they go as far as to find porn.
1: And download, and it, download and it.
0: And download it and get over the age walls.
1: Yeah. Like. It seems to me it's like the calorie information on, like, a candy bar. Exactly. You're like, oh, yeah, I get it. This is, like, 2,000 calories, but I'm going to eat it anyway because mm-hmm. I just bought it and I already want to eat it. Yeah. So. And, yeah. like,
0: it's definitely not going to stop people from watching porn people watch porn all the time people have watched porn for thousands of years like it's just a thing a weird thing that humans are attracted to
1: yeah i think the intentions behind the bill are like great spot on but i think that there are different ways to go about it personally But, you know, it's like, great, what a great start, but I think there are other more effective ways to go about that issue. Yeah. All right. And.
0: Before I go on a rant again, (laughs)
1: um, lastly, we
0: have a red flag bill making its way into the debates. A group called Moms Demand Action is promoting two pieces of legislation. One is an extreme risk protection bill numbered from Representative Steve Handy and another that would require a universal background check bill. This second one requiring the universal background check is being referred to as the red flag legislation.
1: And basically what it means is that a family member or someone in law enforcement could request that a firearm is taken away from someone who appears to be in crisis. And after that request is made, the court could set up a hearing where the gun owner could present their case to get their gun back.
0: This isn't the first time the legislation has been introduced, but in the last three years it's been presented. It's never gotten past a committee hearing.
1: First of all, just want to say love the name Moms Demand Action. Mm -hmm. Yes, mothers do it. Um, Personally, I think this is, like, kind of, I mean, I think it's pretty good legislation. Mm -hmm. I think that if someone is in crisis and someone can obviously observe that and they just want to take this, like, weapon that they could use to harm themselves or other people away, I think that's great. Like, go for it. And also it gives them an opportunity that, like, maybe if that wasn't, like they're not actually in crisis it gives them a chance mm-hmm. to present their case to get you know their property back so
0: yeah yeah and i think that this is would be a really good first step to initiating gun control in more conservative sta- conservative states like utah you know like utah is never ever going to vote to you know like ban any sort of guns you know, like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. But giving people the power to say, I do not feel safe with this in this home and I don't feel like it's I don't feel like other people are safe in this home with this in the household, like giving them the power to get rid of that gun. Is really powerful
1: what I really like about this one is also that it like acknowledges the whole mental health thing behind it because I think that's a huge por- part of the gun control debate that is never talked about yeah that guns themselves like they're part of the issue but they're not the issue themselves <clears throat> it's the person holding the gun as well and so I think that acknowledging the fact that someone is in crisis and that you should take away that weapon that they could use for a, like you know a hot second mm-hmm. while they figure it out, and I think that's important.
0: So. Yeah,
1: yeah, like
0: you know, um, like with in domestic violence situations, like having a gun in the house increases the chance of a death by like 500 percent, and like even just in someone's crisis of suicide or suicidal thoughts or something like that like taking because the gun is the easiest form of committing that act then just taking that away like decreases the chance of it succeeding significantly
1: i agree Well, that's enough of the headlines from this week, so let's move on to the honorable mentions. Kind of lighten the mood Mm -hmm. a little bit.
0: (laughs) All right. The first one we have is called the Motion Picture Incentives Amendment, which just passed its first hearing in the Senate. With this bill, it basically just wants to continue establishing Utah as a film-friendly state and encouraging people to film here.
1: Yeah, so the argument here is that not only is Utah super cool, um, it's beautiful, it'd bring money here, and it would help out the economy if people filmed.
0: I think that it's really cool, and yes, it would be really beneficial to the state, but I don't understand why it's something that needs to be a law.
1: I don't know why either. I mean, we already, f- like, movies already film here quite a bit, because, yeah. you know, we do have the mountains, and we have, like, the salt flats and stuff, and there's the Sundance mm-hmm. Film Festival, so I know people are filming here all the time. I don't know why you would need it to be, like, legislation. Yeah. So. But that's fine. Um, the next one we have is a daylight saving time amendment. Um, with this, Representative Raymond Ward is proposing that we put Utah on a year-round mountain daylight schedule instead of the mountain standard time we're on right now. So this would take effect on the first Sunday of November while other states are returning back their clocks. We just wouldn't do that. Yeah. I
0: think that daylight savings is kind of stupid.
1: I, okay, I am no history, but <laughs> I really don't know, I don't really understand it's, the whole purpose behind it.
0: Well, okay, the United States is the only country in the entire world that does daylight savings time. Well, of course. And, we don't do
1: the metric system we might yeah. as well change our clocks um, to.
0: But it was created because, it's simply so that we would be on a, better schedule to like maximize the hours of the day essentially like um i think it was for agriculture purposes and things like that so like you know like if you wake up at a certain time then now i don't yeah i don't
1: i've never really understood the purpose mm -hmm. behind it it's always really bothered me yeah. And I never understood, like, you know, I'd go to bed as a kid. And my mom's like, you're going to lose an hour of sleep. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and I still say that, so. Yeah. All right.
0: Now it's time to move on to our top story, the vaping epidemic. During this legislative session, several lawmakers put their best foot forward to try and curb the vaping epidemic that hit the national headlines all throughout last year.
1: Yeah, this thing was all over the news, sending like everybody into a panic mode, it felt like. Um, as of January 21st, the CDC reported a total of 2,711 people that were hospitalized due to vaping or e-cigarette usage. And on top of that, 60 deaths have been confirmed in 27 states and DC.
0: Looking at the data, the outbreak seemed to have peaked way back in September, where, coincidentally, news outlets stopped talking about it as much. But new cases and deaths are still being reported, and it's causing lawmakers to want to do something about it. So in Utah's legislative session alone, there are at least six bills combating it. We're going to talk about three of those.
1: Yes, so first we have a bill in the Senate House called Youth Electronic Cigarette, Marijuana, and Other Drug Prevention Program. This would create a prevention program within the Department of Health that specifically looks at these issues. So it creates various reporting requirements and a sunset date, which basically means if someone's contracted to do something related to e-cigarettes or vaping, like forfeit their materials or show up to court or something like that, they have a deadline date that they have to do it by.
0: I think that, I don't know, I have mixed opinions about... what lawmakers are doing to curb this epidemic. Like, yes, it is absolutely horrendous what is happening to these people. But also, I think a lot of the legislation is mis-targeted.
1: I feel like it's just a little vague, too, like, reporting requirements, but, like, requiring who to report what. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it just is... Li- I mean, it's a great creative program that specifically looks at this kind of stuff, but... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think definitely, like... Having a program that is looking into what is actually happening will definitely help because because like, as I said, a lot of uh, the legislation and the blame has been mistargeted. Yeah, and what is actually happening.
1: And I'm glad like this doesn't just look at like e-cigarettes because that's not the whole issue. It's mm-hmm. also looking at like marijuana and other drugs, which is, you know that's great that they can look mm-hmm. in beyond just what the headlines are talking about.
0: Yeah, and the CDC has said that like uh, black market THC vaping mm-hmm. has accounted for the majority. Yeah. So like, I think just illnesses. getting more
1: education on it would yeah. really help.
0: Another bill on the table is going through Senator Alan Christensen, which would establish a new tax on nicotine products, which in turn would be used to hire more officers to enforce these violations.
1: Sounds like
0: a trade-off to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It would put permanent requirements on selling nicotine products, including requiring vendors to keep itemized receipts. There would be penalties if they didn't do that. There would be penalties if there was an uncivil sale, like underage or something like that, and it would require that nicotine products clearly label they have nicotine on them.
1: Um, No, yeah, I think this is a good one, too. I think mostly, like, all of these, as you go through them, you're like, eh, it's, like, kind of okay, but, like, if they're all working together, it's like, yeah, this is pretty strong. I wonder why they're doing them all separately. Yeah. Honestly, but... I
0: mean, I personally, like, yes, like, having... Making sure that, like, uh, vendors aren't selling to underage people. Like, mm-hmm. that, like, I agree with that, but I have a hard time agreeing with anything that's, like, oh, we're going to put this towards a police force that's just going to... <laughs>
1: yeah, that part's a little um, interesting to me. It's like, yeah, yeah what...
0: That's <laughs> like... just going to yell at you for doing it. Like,
1: yeah. I feel like the
0: money should be going towards, like... um rehabilitation programs and things like that yeah, like
1: that'd be a good idea. make it
0: so like put it towards programs that so that the kids that already are vaping like have a safe place to quit
1: yeah that's really interesting that the tax is going towards hiring people to make sure they don't violate this specific bill
0: yeah and it just seems like interesting yeah it just seems like to me that the more like enforcement you have of something the more people want to break whatever that rule is you know
1: yeah and it sounds like this one's like pretty good i mean like keeping itemized receipts so like there are no under the table sales or anything like that yeah i think that's like really useful yeah absolutely So yeah and the last vaping bill we'll be looking at is representative john hawkins who hopes to establish a no tolerance policy for selling nicotine to children So this would establish rules in stores that sell vaping products to move them into age-restricted areas, kind of like the alcohol sections you see in some Utah stores.
0: Yeah, under this bill, it would create a minimum age to buy tobacco and similar products to age 21. You wouldn't even be able to enter the age-restricted areas until you're 21
1: either. It would also tie into another bill, which is Senate Bill 40, which we didn't talk about, but that one hopes to start placing restrictions and prohibitions on using vape products in schools.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think upping the age restriction for this is a really great thing. Didn't that just pass nationally?
1: I think they did sign something nationally that would go into that, so it's also, like, I mean, yeah. Something national about that just happened because I remember they signed off on it. Yeah. So, but I think that's good because I know a lot of, like, the addiction hospitalizations that have been happening have been with minors Mm -hmm. and, like, kids getting hooked on these nicotine products that are supposed to help, like, older demographics Mm -hmm. get off smoking, but, like, these kids aren't even starting on smoking. They're starting on vaping, Mm -hmm. which is, like, not good at all.
0: Yeah. Also, I mean, arguably, I mean, the age to buy alcohol is 21, Mm -hmm. but the age to buy currently the age to buy any sort of uh, nicotine product is 19 in Utah, which seems really kind of backwards to me because it seems like nicotine products have so many more health ramifications. Like, yes, they both have health ramifications attached to them but it seems like the nicotine related ones are a lot more severe to me
1: you know it sounds a lot more dangerous to me which is why i was like you know it's like good thing they're increasing the age i think so oh my god because it's sad to see kids get like Mm -hmm. addicted to this stuff so early on yeah All right. Well, that's it for this episode. So make sure to come back for our next episode Saturday where we're going to be talking about more upcoming health bills, especially one that would place a maximum cap on the price of insulin. So we'll be joined by a guest, Westminster student Marissa Cooper, who has type 1 diabetes and this bill would directly affect her.
0: Yes, we'll also be checking back in on the highlights from the rest of this week. As always, make sure to check out more of the forum's content on our website, wcforummedia.com, and follow our social media accounts at wcforummedia to get the latest updates on our stories. Make sure to vote, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see ya. (laughs) (laughs)